God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I'm joined by Leonora Cavoda. Hello, Leonora. Good morning, Scott. So, uh, you know, um, the troops, uh, the National Guard that we didn't need, by right. the way. I mean, there was well over 25,000 National Guard. They were all staying on cots in the uh, Capitol building. And this was before the no, This is right. when President Trump was in, in office. They uh, put them up in nice, uh, ni- fairly nice lodging compared to what they would be in a platoon in in the Middle East somewhere. And they had cots, uh, beds to sleep on. Uh, and the senators, uh, uh, because they were on the Senate wing, a lot of them, there was about 5,000 of them in this one location. And they uh, were... You know, the senators shook their hands and did the photo ops. Yeah. And it was all great for the cameras. And then after the senators were done with the National Guard, they said, well, okay, we need to clear out this space now. We have to get back to work and roll up our sleeves. Um, You guys are going to go to the basement, or you guys are going to go to this garage. Freezing cold garage. Didn't give them cots or anything. One bathroom for 5,000 people. Yeah, two bathrooms for 5,000 one outlet to charge their phones. And, you know, this, is, uh, this isn't this is war in the Middle East. This is this is a domestic issue, not like a security policing issue. They're, they're supposed to be treated a lot better than that. And lo and behold, you know, they're uh, told to sleep on, the gr- sleep on the ground in a cold, dirty garage under the Biden regime. Yeah. Well, w- wake up. Honeymoon's over. This is this is what the Biden regime is all about. Yeah. You know, let me say let me say all these great things. Let me do something completely different. I mean, to treat our Well, they talk about unity and they way? do nothing but divide. They're still talking about this impeachment thing. For what? I mean, uh, there's uh, every day there's new evidence coming out about some liberal or some Trump hater that was doing the pipe bombs. 
Exactly. And, you know, when you think about it, if this is a new administration, don't you want to move forward? Don't you want to start implementing your agenda to sit here and go through this impeachment when President Trump is no longer the president is completely pointless and it diverts resources in other ways? And speaking of uh, violence, Portland and Seattle still going on. I mean, there's still yeah. there were arrests from the inauguration day. Well, what? Where is the lamestream media to call that out? What I don't understand is Antifa clearly is a domestic terrorist group. Yeah. So Biden's been talking about this domestic terrorist group, to domestic domestic terrorism. Sign some EOs to that effect. Yeah. Uh, that basically curbs. They already have laws in the books, like. There was already, hello, uh, Kamala Harris and Cory Booker. There was already an anti-lynching bill. On, it was called, you're not allowed to go and hang somebody by a tree and set them on fire while they're alive if they're black. Yeah, we, we got a law for that. But you're not allowed to murder people. <laughs> I mean, we have We a don't law. have to get into subtle nuances. There <laughs> is a law for that. You're not allowed to do that. You know, you're not allowed to... Um, do any of those things that they're trying to control you to do, and they're doing it for a reason. What's the reason? They're doing it because they want to silence your speech. Right. So if you're a uh, 501c3 or 501c4 or you're a super PAC or you're any of those things now, you're going to be treated worse than the IRS treated the Tea Party groups back in 2012 in the lead up to that. Um, no, was it 2010 or 12? I think it was. Um, I think it was in the lead up to. It was in the lead up to the 2012 election because yeah. what ended up happening was a, a lot of their initiatives weren't able to move forward because they held them up for so long. Yeah, there were so many people that were going to be seeking funding. They can't get funding because they can't get the license. You can't get the license. You can't open a bank account, right? And they knew what they were doing. And the same thing is being, you know. Uh, attempted today uh they're basically trying to describe what a terrorist group is antifa is a domestic terrorist group you saw what they were doing in portland just in over the last 72 hours they're non-stop and we saw what they were doing in colorado and yesterday we talked about the idea that colorado um is run by democrats up and down the line uh the supreme court the House, the Senate, the State House, the State Senate, the governor, all liberals. And that all started when mail-in balloting started. They were one of the pioneers of mail-in balloting. And as soon as mail-in balloting started, you started having ballots being processed by election officials that happened to work for the Democrat Party. And next thing you know, these ballots are being um, turned into votes uh, without the voter even know that they voted. Or the voter doesn't exist. The voter could be a tombstone somewhere in the registry of obituaries, which is was done widely in uh, Michigan. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that were happening there. But, you know, uh, we got to get to the bottom of that. Um, but, you know, the, the uh, idea is that when you go to Antifa.com, it used to go to JoeBiden.com. And then when you go to Antifa.com, last, uh, after, I guess it was after the election. It goes to uh, WhiteHouse.gov. Right. Well, <laughs> well, you, 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 you walked all over my punchline. Well. So it went to BuildBackBetter.gov. Right. And now it goes to the White House, uh, WH.gov. Yeah. 
and they scrubbed the old Trump White House uh, page. <clears throat> so there's no other reference of Trump anywhere. Um, and Antifa.com goes to the whitehouse.gov. And Black Lives Matter still finances uh, Act Blue, which is the equivalent of uh, the Republicans win red. Apparently, the Republicans don't know how to win those, so, so they probably should change their name uh, from win red to, you know, Ronna McDaniel is a rhino, and she... Uh, <laughs> She uh, ran that opportunity into the ground. She didn't do a good job. You know, it's funny, just so you mentioned WhiteHouse.gov. I just took a look at the administration. Well, they've got Kamala Harris, they've got Jill Biden on it as the first lady, Dr. Jill Biden, and they have the second gentleman, Doug Emhoff, which, who is uh, Vice President Kamala Harris's. Didn't Jill husband. get like a night school certificate? I don't uh, know. To get that I have PhD for I, uh, like teaching little kids how to read. Or something? I, I well, I mean, let's not diminish I mean, teaching little kids how to read, but, no, I, but I will double check her credentials. But there was a lot. Of, there nobody was, does the doctor thing. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot to do about that. We, but that's but that's a liberal thing. They need have, to we, they need to cite their, every lawyer should say JD es- or Esquire. <laughs> yeah, Esquire. Um, and we we know several people with PhD, academia, PhD, psychology, psychology, PhD. They don't call themselves doctors. Yeah, a medical doctor. Yeah, um, if you're a professor, doctor, maybe. You know. Uh, you know. Actually, I think it depends. But uh, well, this in this case though, it's a little bit of a stretch. She barely even practices what she actually went to school for. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Just a. Uh, a little bit more uh, messaging. So, from what I understand, elitism I don't watch, is back. I don't watch a lot of the liberal mainstream media. I don't even watch. Like I say, I turned Fox News off, uh, and they're they're really struggling. Uh, they can't. They're in third place. You know, they they yeah. ruined themselves. They literally ruined themselves. It was funny though. I remember when I used to watch Fox News. I used to watch Fox and Friends, and I still do at the gym. But um, Peter Ducey was asking a couple of questions to Jen Psaki in the second press conference. Um, and she was referring to Peter Ducey as Steve. Because he's Steve Ducey's son. Yeah, but, I, 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 which shows how out of touch she is. Peter Ducey's been a reporter for years now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's true. And we, we've seen him around D.C. He's he's as uh, normal and as humble. We saw him at the uh, bar in C- at CPAC. Yeah. That's where I remember yeah. seeing him. Yeah, and we, he's, he's, he's a man about town. And, uh, you know, um, he's uh, he comes off unpretentious. Very, very good kid uh, from what I can gather. Um, but here's the thing. So he was asking the question uh, about Joe Biden's mask in, uh, implementation mandate, yeah. right? So if you're on federal property, you have to wear a mask. And then next thing you know, Joe Biden's at the Lincoln Memorial right. without a mask. I thought you were president. I thought you are supposed to wear a mask and set an example. So Jen Psaki just said, mm, it's not a big deal. We have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all I remember about her from her last go-round in the White House as communications director and State Department spokesperson was the clunky necklaces. I hope she's gotten rid of them. Oh, yeah. That and uh, was it was it Marie Harf or uh, Jen Psaki that said uh, something about 
social welfare programs for the terrorists. Uh, it was it was Marie Harf. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, all they need is a good yeah. jobs program. Yeah, yeah. And okay. yeah, I've, uh, over the years, I've I've realized the intention of that comment was just that the reason why people become terrorists is because there's of, no other job because they have no other opportunities. But the way she said it, it it almost sounded like it was being trivialized. But I think the intent has become clearer. Yeah, it's it's a little crazy though um, when you think about it. It's because we, you know, we have our own jobless problems. You know, back in the Obama regime, we had a lot of jobless problems. You have to worry about employing terrorists so they don't blow people up. It was only when we had the greatest president of our lifetimes, Donald Trump, uh, where the jobs really flourished. You know, yeah. we, we got our jobs back. Um, now they're just talking about slush funds and insider politics. And if you actually dare to step up against the uh, Biden administration in any way, you'll be declared a domestic terrorist. Instead of talking about terrorism around the world, he's talking about um, domestic terrorism. Domestic terrorism. John Brennan, if you listen to him, he thinks that a libertarian is a ter- terrorist. Yeah. Someone who advocates for smaller government is a terrorist. Uh, the other part uh, of, a, of the equation that's a big problem is uh, Biden wants to send troops back over to Iraq mm-hmm. because there was an explosion in Baghdad. Okay? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. that They're so dumb. And they're, they're just looking for an excuse to get their military-industrial complex back, mm-hmm. that's what they're doing, and so they say, "Okay, we need a um, we need to have a bomb go off in Baghdad. Whether it kills anybody or not, we don't really care. We want that bomb to go off so we can actually then hit the reset button and say, hey, there's problems.' So ever since Biden, you know, uh, became the uh, the uh, 46th president." Um, We've seen Iran with their t- their rhetoric against Israel and, and against America. We've seen North Korea talk about America being enemy number one. We've seen China eat our lunch and sanction our political officials from the prior administration. Uh, and Biden has done nothing with respect to China. Uh, he's not made any statement whatsoever about that. And that would would have been an important statement to make already. He's late to the game to do that. And he's probably not going to make a statement there. But also, you have to understand that a lot of these things are done to bait. So there's a lot of people over in the Middle East that want our military back there. Now, you know, there's a there's a contingent over there that wants our military out of there. Right. We don't want America's influence here. But there's a lot that do. And the people that do are the people that were getting their palms greased by having weapons distributed on the ground in exchange for oil favors and money and kickbacks and palm greasing. And John McCain and Lindsey Graham were, you know, the big par- big partners in that. Because, again, like we said yesterday, you know, in the Middle East, financing terrorism is not something that's going to go over well with the politicians here domestically. So it's like, oh, okay, what did you do? What did you vote on? Oh, I voted on, um, you know, sending uh, uh, $500 million in aid packet, aid relief to ISIS. Oh, isn't that that same group that's been cutting our heads off, right. our journalists' heads off, and, and um, 
blowing up things, blowing up pizzerias, and setting people on fire while they're alive. Oh, that group. Yeah, you're financing them. You know, of course they would. That wouldn't fly, right? Yeah. That that's not yeah. going to go well, right. right? So what they do is they secretly put up a CIA, State Department, Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. uh, Benghazi, that mission, Christopher Stevens, and they would basically go in there and they would overthrow Qaddafi, take all his guns, put them on a ship, and deliver them to ISIS until Benghazi gets blown up and they have no response to that. And then you have another situation where basically you train all these Iraqi soldiers and you put them out on the battlefield to fight ISIS and they run for the hills within 24 hours. They retreat, leaving all of the weapons, all the Humvees, all the guns, all, all the training that went, went into that. And they just left the battlefield. And ISIS then walks into an empty battlefield and picks up all the tanks and Humvees and guns. And that's another way to distribute weapons. And they think we're stupid. And the taxpayers are financing all of this stuff. And people are getting paid uh, lots of money on the black market to make these things happen. That's why, you know, you had John McCain and Lindsey Graham and Amy Klobuchar on December 31st, 2016, New Year's Eve, while Trump was in transition, you got Lindsey Graham and John McCain in Ukraine hanging out with Maria Yovanovitch, who tried to get President Trump impeached, and Poroshenko, who is, they were standing in front of this military group on New Year's Eve in Ukraine with all new weapons. Now tell me that wasn't a deal that Amy Klobuchar was involved with, with a big-time investor that was facilitating a gun-running scheme. And again, how this works, folks, is remember when they used to say that Obama only gave them blankets and pillows in Ukraine? Yep. And, you know, and uh, and President Trump was the one that offered up the Javelin missiles, the tank-busting missiles that protected them mm-hmm. against Russia, aggression. So there was that. Now, the reason why they didn't give them tank-busting uh, Russian tank busters is because they were actually being supplied somewhere else. They were being supplied on the black market. And that's a slush fund. That's how you get politicians to agree with your Iranian deal, is if you could help them make ten, tens of millions of dollars. on a, uh, It's how you get the Iranian deal by helping someone like Lindsey Graham and John McCain, the leaders of the Republican wing of the Senate, cooperate with your Iran deal by giving them Ukraine deals, right? We can make it so you'll get rich off of Ukraine so long as you actually support or at least not get in the way of my Iran deal and make that happen because I'm going to be making $150 billion. I'm going to get a percentage of that on this deal and you can get you know, your percentages on your Ukraine deal. And we'll put Joe Biden in charge of Ukraine and make sure that no investigators yeah. can actually investigate your crimes. How do you like those apples? So that's the way it went. The Iran nuclear deal was run by Wendy Sherman, who's now in the Biden administration. She also was the person at the helm for the North Korea uh, nuclear deal. Wendy Sherman, sandy gray-haired uh, uh, academia, 
dumb as a bag of rocks. I'm telling you. She negotiated the North Korea deal with Bill Clinton's team. And that went south. That was a waste of time. And then they said, well, we need another dumb. We need the same dumb person with the same dumb deal like Wendy Sherman to come up and negotiate the Iran deal. And now she's back for round three. More dumbness in the White House surrounding Joe Biden, who can't complete sentences anymore. Um, So Andy McCarthy, he uh, wrote something in the National Review. He says Biden directs Department of Justice to reinstate Get this, slush fund settlement payments to special interest groups. That sounds sleazy, doesn't well, it? Well, special interest groups are back. <laughs> I mean, this is uh, what we're talking about is, is, you know, everything that's happening, all the things that he professed to do while he was on the campaign trail, he's not really doing because he was trying to p- play to two different masters. He was trying to play to the moderates and he was trying. And, you know, Charlie Kirk uh, said something which you have on your Twitter feed. He said, Joe B- Biden promised to govern as a moderate. On day one, he signed e- uh, the following executive orders, letting biological men take over women's sports and locker rooms, calling for amnesty for millions of illegals, ending deep Portations, killing thousands of good-paying jobs. Is anyone surprised? You know, that is one of the worst things that can happen to women. Honestly, I, I would say that's issue number one. Because, you know, let's face it, they're doing, uh, women are doing great in the job market. They're doing great in the academic, you know, in terms of getting a higher education. I mean, women I are could, outpacing men now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They're doing great. Right. Um, and kudos to, to women uh, for, for being so great. But to do this, um, one of the, the one of the biggest things and I, I'm an anti title nine guy because I have to support a fringe sport uh, wrestling. Uh, wrestling gets the axe all the time as a result of uh, unintended consequences of title nine. So I'm not, from a wrestling perspective, I am not a big fan of title nine because it's the non-money-making sports that get cut first right. by these universities, and I've seen it firsthand. So, um, but I do also, you know, have to agree that Title IX um, has done some good. Basically, when women can get into the world of comp- competitive sports and uh, participate in the Olympic dream, uh, I think that that is a wonderful thing, and uh, and I think that women in sports. I mean, I think sports is important. Uh, it's probably one of the most important things you can do in school is participate in competitive sports. Uh, for me, anyway, that's my perspective on that. I no, I agree. And, com- I agree completely. And also, it's the same. Uh, real quickly, it's the same argument about women in in the military. Um, I'm a, f- a physically petite woman. Okay, it doesn't make me um, capable to do the same thing as a um, of a woman who has a different physical structure or a man. Well, and, have, and, and people have tried to make this argument that everybody is biologically capable of the same thing, and it just is not true. And they think by saying, "Okay, you you know, let's make everybody um, have the same opportunity to do to do the same physical task," that if you strip away that opportunity, that you're in some way being prejudiced. Judicial, it is not true. You can't, if, if you don't have the physical mm-hmm. strength to do a particular task, it doesn't diminish you in any way as an individual. You can be deployed elsewhere yeah. in sports or in the military or in, or in life in general, but 
But to, to, to continue to send this narrative out there that is completely false, it does a disservice to people across the, the country. The narrative is that you know you, you let men do you let men uh, compete with women in sports, men, men who want to be a woman today, and then you also have the the narrative that oh, that women can do the same positions, same physical positions in men in the army. They cannot all do it. It just, no. it just is not true. No, the physical, the physicality, there's different. It, it's just different, right? Phys, uh, testosterone levels are different. Uh, the, the, just the physicality of things, um, combat and uh, all these things. But I will tell you this, uh, wrestling, for example, what, the fastest growing uh, entity of mixed martial arts uh, and UFC, which Conor McGregor is going to be going against Dustin Poirier. Uh, that ought to be an interesting uh, bout uh, in Abu Dhabi this weekend on Saturday morning. Um, but, you know, uh, women have done great, yeah. great in UFC. And, you know, there's a weight class for you. No matter how small you are, you're a size zero or two. Well, they have a weight class for you. I know, but, but I, I have just to can't s- see you getting into an octagon anytime No, no, soon. I'm not getting into an octagon anytime soon. But I can tell you one thing. I will not punch above my weight. <laughs> so anyway, here's the problem. The problem is it takes these women out of contention for a scholarship. Yeah. And that, to me, is the biggest problem of all. Um, and not only that, but how do you get recognized? So this one argument was made from a New England woman, uh, girl, a uh, high school girl. And she ended up taking uh, sixth. And I think you had a, a finish in the top five or something yeah. like that. Or the top six would get advanced. Mm-hmm. And um, she finished seventh or something. But um, she would have finished third or fourth. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for the two men that were running in her mm-hmm. heat. Yeah. And she didn't get to get to the qualifying round. And she said, because I didn't get the qualifying round in the championship uh, level you know, event, uh, I didn't get to go to the regionals or the state championships mm-hmm. and compete where all of the recruiters from college re- uh, institutions mm-hmm. were you know, to, see, to, to showcase my talent. So she was pretty much denied and robbed and disenfranchised from her ability to actually appeal and get noticed by the powers that be. Yeah. And so these um, men did that. And the other part is, you know, the women's locker room. Yeah. You know, so what is this going to do? This is going to basically create uh, an impossible situation where women are going to probably leave sports and uh, try to figure out another way to go. Meanwhile, you're going to have all these freaks yeah. in this transvestite uh, Olympics or something yeah. for women. Yeah. And, uh, and they can't compete with men. Um, these men that dress up like in skirts uh, really you know, can't compete with the yeah. Bruce Jenners of the world. Oh, right. bad example. <laughs> bad example. Bad example. Do you remember those magazine covers where he, when he, um, I forgot the name. What was his name? Courtney or something like that. Hmm? You remember when he was in a magazine cover in a... Uh, in yeah, a dress. You forgot, it, um, you forgot his name? Uh, no, Bruce Jenner, but, but he did a... Well, he, he, no, he has his name. He had Call a, me Caitlin. Caitlin. And then they yeah. did a funny thing about Donald Trump at the time, and they put it, They created some graphic image in, uh, in the same dress and said, Call me Donna. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I remember. That was funny. That was funny. Okay, so um, I just want to get uh, into this uh, slush fund thing. He says, President Biden will call on the Justice Department to consider reinstatement reinstating an Obama-era practice that allowed 
prosecutors to reach settlements in which defendants paid compensation to third-party groups instead of directly to victims. Okay, so let me read that again. That doesn't... So it says, Justice Department to consider reinstating an Obama-era practice that allowed prosecutors to reach settlements in which defendants paid compensation to third-party groups instead of directly to victims. And so in other words, the money is going to the third-party group, and then it's the responsibility of the, the third-party third group, group to, to disseminate the funds, which right, again, this is fund. this is the same thing that we saw with like, you know, the earthquakes and stuff, where the money was going to these gatekeepers, and it wasn't immediately going to uh, the recipients. The, uh, the victims. So Biden's request to revive this practice is part of an executive order protecting public health and the environment and restoring science to tackle the climate crisis. Wow, that is that is a baked title. Let me tell you that the president plans to sign. The practice was initially halted for uh, by former uh, Trump Attorney General Jeff Sessions in 2017. When the federal government settles a case against a corporate wrongdoer, any settlement fund should go first to the victims and then to the American people, not the bank, not to bankroll third-party special interest groups or the political friends of whoever is in power, Sessions said. All right. And that reminds me of Tina Chen, too, where she had this sexual harassment organization um, that I think is full of cronyism. Right. And you can pretty much blacklist anybody that comes looking for aid and saying, I've been a victim of sexual harassment in Hollywood. Right. Uh, and Tina Chen, the chief of staff for Michelle Obama, you know, um, who bailed out Jesse Smollett and uh, pretty much controlled that whole situation and made the problem go away as a fixer. Uh, and was connected with Kamala Harris along with um, that Fox woman. Um, you know, uh, D.A. Fox. Uh, those situations are, are tricky because it's full of cronyism. And, yeah, so we're going back to the old slimy cronyism. So uh, Chuck Ross wrote this. He says, after sitting on the sidelines for a month, Amazon offers to help Biden with vaccine rollout. Amazon did not make same offer to Trump. So, you know, there's a lot of problems going on with regard to the, the bias in our corporate uh, America. And there's a reason because they support multinational corporations. Uh, they support multilateral trade deals. They support access to slave labor in Chinese markets in India mm-hmm. and elsewhere. And that's what the globalist movement is all about. It's all about trying to sell you on the idea that minimum wage is good for you. Yeah. But then they, they advocate for people who get paid less than a dollar a day working 18 hours a day as a 12-year-old in a Chinese slave labor market to lower the cost of goods and make it almost impossible for American corporations and manufacturing to compete, while at the same time putting out the $15 minimum wage mandate that would actually cause a need for automation and basically throwing jobs out with the bathwater. I mean, jobs are going to disappear once you have... Um, these multinational corporations get get new access to slave labor markets. It's going to put manufacturing here in America out of business because 
you know, we're paying them a salary uh, that's much, much higher than a dollar a day, 18-hour days, 12-year-olds living in bunk beds at the factory, yeah. right? And 16 people to a room. You know, we don't live like that in America, so we can't compete with that price point. So they're, you know, relieving the tariffs, relieving sanctions, where we're getting hit with sanctions. We're relieving uh, sanctions, and we're opening up markets for China to sell their goods into our country again to the point where our manufacturers can't compete. We then have to close down the manufacturing plants, and the $15 mandate is a nail in the coffin. And so what happens with all those jobs that are going to be lost? You know, how about the jobs that were associated with fracking or the Keystone Pipeline or all of these different energy jobs? All of this has gone through the wayside. So, you know, people are talking up and down social media about Trump, uh, Biden being in office for mere 24 hours. And already he's cost about 77,000 jobs. We're going to get to that. Yeah, less than, less than 48 hours. He's already rack, um, raking destruction everywhere. Right. So I'm just going right up the uh, thing because it says the Biden administration is now plotting to use the events of January 6th to justify Patriot Act 2.0, which aims to criminalize all dissent as domestic terrorism. So if you were a supporter of QAnon and if you were a supporter of, you know, uh, any anything that really opposes uh, the, the the liberal view, uh, you're going to be censored. Uh, they're basically throwing a, a a dog whistle out there yeah. to social media big tech giants to say, "Have at it, destroy everything." But here's what's happening that's running counter to this now. It's kind of an interesting development that Australia is actually saying that big tech is going to have to pay the corporations that they are mm-hmm. using as part of their search. And they're going to have to pay, and there's going to be a legal battle there. Mm-hmm. And then in England, they're saying that big tech is trying to manipulate the minds of their citizens. And so there's lawsuits popping up everywhere you turn. Angela Merkel and <clears throat> the leadership in France, I can't say Macron because um, I, I, I didn't get the quote from him, but I did get the quote from Merkel, who basically said the censorship of Donald Trump was wrong. And so they're going to be cracking down. And so I think that big tech is really bitten off more than they could chew with regard to the violation of people's rights. And uh, we still have a big um, uh, bank, uh, antitrust case that's looming uh, large with the uh, Google. But here it says this. It says, QAnon bears striking resemblance to Bolshevik PSYOP from 1920s known as Operation Trust. So... They were basically going to these different things. Operation Trust was a Bolshevik counterintelligence operation. So they're trying to compare QAnon to the Bolshevik Revolution. It's nonsense. QAnon um, is uh, is really uh, about uh, metadata creation mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of people getting together. If you get hundreds of thousands of people together to research uh, and develop um, theories and to, to, to the, the turn into solutions mm-hmm. to problems, you're going to have some people that get it wrong. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands yeah. of people, right? But um, that's okay. That's called free speech, right? Yeah. And we have that in society 
we're just not allowed to have that in the town square uh, on Big Tech. And Big Tech was set up to be basically be a virtual society. Yeah. So where Big Tech's virtual society starts to lead the way to censorship, you're going to see that trickle down to real society in the communities. And that's what I'm afraid of the most, is that just simply walking down the street with a Trump hat on, mm-hmm. a MAGA hat, could get you arrested. Yeah. And that that's that we're not far from those draconian laws. No. And uh you know, in every developing communist Marxist state, you have political dissidents that are incarcerated for their political briefs beliefs. In Russia they poison you. If you try to run up against Putin and you do a good job, it's okay if you're a miserable failure and you can't come close to threatening his power position. But as soon as you rise up that ladder and you do what you do well and you fight the good fight, you will get either incarcerated or in the case of the guy in Germany who then was extradited back to Russia recently because he, yeah. he didn't die from the poison. He almost did. But, uh, you know, he's now a polit- political prisoner. It's what asylum is truly all about. It's not about what's coming up in those caravans now mm-hmm. to exploit America workers once once again. Uh, and we have Julie on the line. Julie, uh, you're w- welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Good morning. Good morning. I, I just had an idea from listening to uh, crazy Steve Bannon's war room. What if we um one of from one of the republican uh states had one of the house members or senate members step down and then they appoint trump as being uh the the person who takes over and then he goes into either the senate or the house and raises havoc <laughs> well that would be interesting yeah I, well i know it would well it's just a thought but you see, there in in some of the other places, they're talking about him running for for a uh, member of the house and beca- then becoming speaker of the house. But it, it seems a little beneath him. But if, if he went in and and was appointed a replacement for somebody else, and then he just went in and shook the leaves on the trees, no, and and uh... and because they just want him gone. Now, wait a minute. Let's not make him gone. Let's just put him right back there. And it, Okay, it's not in the place that he, he, he deserves or should be, but at least it, it, he's he's raising havoc, and that's what we want. Right. Now, I can't, I, can't, a, I, can't, I can't see it because, I see, I mean, President Trump is one of those people where he's, he's the chairman the of the board. It's, he's if the, it's too off the wall, I, I, it's just that everybody's spitballing at this point. Everybody's trying to figure out actually, where to go. Actually, and, and what if we just try something entirely different, entirely new, and, and just change change the whole diagram of everything well i was talking with a couple of people yesterday about um this whole notion that america as a corporation is bankrupt as of november 2nd it was declared bankrupt and Barr was working on some papers for related to bankruptcy and that there's only so many days left for our current existence and then we're going to be changing into something else there's a there's a theory running around uh that that lends itself to that i can't speak to it that much because um i only 
got the I, I got a briefing on it, and I don't really know. I haven't done my own vetting on such a thing, but it's kind of an interesting concept. I, I actually think that the pet it's the an best, yeah, but I, I think that um, and there there's it involves Texas and it involves like eight hundred trillion dollars worth of gold. Um, so I have to d- dig into that more. But if if you were to research that in the in the um, in some of the v- venues, you'll find some information about that. I actually think that there's a better path Most, for. Go ahead. Oh, the most interesting part about that whole thing is the fact that Mar-a-Lago was actually uh, built to, intended to be the uh, summer White House, or excuse me, the winter White House. Okay, so... And it has three bomb shelters, and it was built by the Post family. And and then it's just a wonderful story of how he ended up with the property. Yeah, now, now, Leonora has a little story to tell. Yeah, I'm I'm forgetting the Here in Virginia, uh, right? In Virginia, there is a um, uh, the, the post family's the post, uh, uh, the, mansion. The, yeah, the post family's mansion. The name I'm forgetting the name of it. It begins with an H. But we went on a tour of it a few years ago. Um, and and you said to and I remember Scott saying this. He said this sort of reminds me of Mar-a-Lago, or you said something that reminded you of Trump. And then we go and we see that Mar-a-Lago was part of the post family. And, yeah, and yeah. the post family yeah. includes the actress uh, Dina and they Merrill. Had a picture of yeah. Mar-a-Lago in that house. Yeah. And um, Marilago, yeah. and so the, post. The story is he he oh. made an offer to buy the property originally for twenty million dollars, but uh, they refused to sell it to him after uh, it Hillwood. was built to the U.S. Hillwood. government, and then the U.S. government gave it back to the post family, and then then uh, he ended up buying it for I believe seven million because he bought the waterfront property in front of the property so that it re- re- reduced their ocean view. And he got it for only seven million. Of course, he put millions into it. But it, it's, it's funny that he actually ended up with the uh, property that was intended so Julie, for the Julie, White House. Um, tell us what, you're th- what, what you've heard about that theory uh, about the bankruptcy. What have you heard? Well, it sounds really good. And it sounds like uh, America is, in 1871, they created a corporation and they moved over all the assets of D.C. into a foreign-owned entity. And this foreign-owned entity, when Trump went to England, he actually informed, what I gather, he informed the Queen that this agreement was no longer in place. Now, he is in a position to take it back. And then what he did was he moved funds over from the Federal Reserve into the U.S. Treasury. And he has everything all in place to pull this back and make it back and return it back. And when he gave that speech saying he's giving America back to the people, he really is giving America back to the people and he's taking our our America away from the corporation and and they are it's a defunct corporation and if it is bankrupt man that's a, that's a great thing so it's, the theory goes like this there's like 120 we wanted to happen yesterday 
The theory goes like this. There's 120 days from when they declare bankruptcy, and they declare bankruptcy so that what Biden is actually controlling right now is a corporation that's somewhat defunct and that the country itself is has been is disassociated with that worthless corporation uh, and somehow is uh, being given back to the people already. Is that is that well, is that the correct? Problem I in that theory? Have is are they spending that money in the U.S. Treasury, or are they going to run the U.S. Treasury money dry? Because he really he 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 padded a lot of that money from all the 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 money he got from China and everything else into into the Treasury. So when he left the White House, that coffer was really filled with cash. So hopefully he he found a way to protect that cash. So well, that it was in, in the form of gold. Takes place. It was in the form of gold, and uh, from what I understand, the gold. It, I heard a number eight hundred trillion dollars. Uh, I heard this astronomical number, and I heard that the gold was oh. transported to Texas. Now, again, I, I don't know this um, theory uh, like I should, or you know, I haven't read up on it uh, like I like I would have liked to. Um, that's why I'm relying on people like you uh, who happen to know well, more about I, it than I, I do about it. I listened to it three times in the last day. I listened to the whole description. It's a very complex idea, and and you have to keep hearing it again and again and again because it's so far removed from what we understand. Yeah. But apparently, the, this entire time, we have been run by a corporation, and they have no right to force people to put on masks, and they have no right to take our rights away as what they're doing right now with Joe Biden, Biden's executive order. And under this theory, it was, it, uh, just, it was a credit to Barr, and they were saying Barr is not necessarily that black hat we all thought, that maybe he was the white hat, to put this deal together, then retired or resigned. Um, and so that's kind of an interesting thing. Well, and, we uh, would just like it to be happened yesterday. That's the only problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we like a we we're looking for <laughs> we're looking for miracles. That's for sure. Miracles are always good. Well, that's right. Like in 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 eighteen fourteen, the White House burned down, and and it wasn't the U.S. soldiers that saved the White House. It was a tornado came in, and we really need to have a tornado come in and save us from from what's taking place right now right well thank you so much for and calling in today put the fire out hey thank you so much for calling today and thank you for sharing that oh, no. thanks julie okay. sorry sorry to bug you okay, okay thank you Take care. Bye-bye. All, right, bye. all right so um you know uh, one of the things that's uh big in the news is again mitch mcconnell is talking about delaying the impeachment for another month and you almost wonder if his delay of the impeachment uh, trial in the Senate. He's saying that you know President Trump's team needs to get uh, more time to re- prepare. But uh, on the same token, uh, it could be in line with this theory that we're talking about because it needs more time to materialize. I don't know uh, about that theory. If anyone wants to call and talk about that bankruptcy theory, uh, you're welcome to call in. Uh, the number's 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215 215- 867-8255 that's 
if you'd like to call in and chime in on that. Well, maybe if they delay it, it'll get forgotten about. Yeah, well, (laughs) it's so pointless. Listen to this, okay? Now listen to this clip from January 6th. This is a new one. I haven't seen this one until recently. Uh, Let's take a listen to what this Trump supporter wearing a MAGA hat is saying to the SWAT teams and the police. So that's a guy basically saying, get some help. Yeah, I know. They're breaking into your building right now and and you're standing there. And why aren't they doing anything? And you know, it's interesting. I wonder now, thinking about this several weeks later, why there wasn't greater preparation for this march. And you know, Scott, the only theory I can come to is that past Trump-associated events have been peaceful. So maybe they didn't think they needed to do anything more. No, you no, know, I, I, no, Nancy Pelosi was in charge of the Capitol Police. I think that this was a setup. You think, yeah, so, I mean, the, but there, there's the evidence. You hear it. What were they doing? So Julie Kelly writes, Biden can't stop exploiting COVID, claims the virus killed more, more Americans than World War II. And, of course, that situation there, too, is disingenuous because the people that did lose their lives, uh, they're 80 Plus. Versus in their 20s. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a big difference. And we have John. Uh, John is on the line. And John, welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Oh, nice to talk to you, Scott and Leonora. How are you today? Doing well. Good to hear from you. Uh, great. Great. Hey, um, regarding the national bankruptcy thing, I didn't. I couldn't follow the whole thing that Julie was talking about on that. But uh, the $800 trillion number is inconceivable. It's more like eight hundred billion, perhaps. Because tri- think about a trillion—that's our national debt on budget. National debt is about twenty-seven trillion now. I mean, it's mushrooming. If they yeah. had eight hundred trillion anywhere in the, uh, they could give, they could in give, the country, believe me, that would be. They could give a million dollars to every citizen. Um, so let's let's get off the eight hundred trillion because I'm not sure about that. Um, that's that's the part that I'm a little bit on fuzzy about. So that part, I, I would be certain it's not. There. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Right, right. No, I got you. I, I'm I'm totally with you on that. I think that was the number I heard. I could have misheard. Um, I was in a conference call yesterday, and we were uh, listening to this this pitch to us, and I thought it was a very interesting thing and um but go ahead and uh if you want to add to that and then i got a text well, you know, yeah well you know yeah i think we all know texas has the right uh, under their constitution or under the compact by which they join the united states to withdraw uh from the union i mean maybe there's some something just to it there although i think the civil war settled that one unless the left bucks for a separation then the media will immediately jump on board and so will I, because I'd love to see a national separation. As I said, mm-hmm. I only have that's the only thing I had to say about that. On the slush fund, though, I did want to mention that that was one of the most notorious practices of the Obama administration. Because what they would do 
as you alluded to, would be to funnel it to groups that were favorable to them. I right. mean, Acorn-like groups. I'm not saying Acorn was run out of technically run out of business. I'm sure they reappeared in a different form. But they would give it. This would be a bank. Let's say a bank uh, redlining discrimination against, say, blacks in uh, a city. And they'd say, well, you're going to pay this much money. And they did this again and again to the banks. And then they would say, well, you're going to give it to these organizations. And these would be left-wing, say, organizing organizations in the community. It was thinly veiled, if thinly veiled, political patronage for groups that would help them. It is utterly corrupt. This should not go unremarked on. It was one of the worst elements of the Obama administration. Right. Right. No, I agree. It's And it's full of cronyism, and it's all... Uh, it's it's all a way to actually, n- n- you know, basically uh, not make the criminals uh, liable uh, because it's backroom cronyism. It puts the power. It it, it pretty much um, cuts it truncates the chain of custody on that litigation uh, because there's a middleman, the broker, if you will, to break it. You know, right? Well, yeah, there should, should be a connection between the correction and the crime, if there is a crime, and a lot of these alleged offenses were dubious to begin with. And the other thing I wanted to mention there is earlier, about, about a half hour ago, you mentioned Title IX. And I think we have, you know, I agree with you on Title IX being uh, obtuse. And actually, I go further than that. I mean, if you, you have to uh, exclude football and basketball from those calculations because that's right. what ends up putting the screw to wrestling and golf and all these other sports because Absolutely. they're saying we've got to spend the same amount. Which is stupid because you obviously have to treat like like you know make sure well, they're alike. Well, it's not just that, not. but football. Yeah, I think that's, football that's a big problem. Football in terms of quotas. Football they have like eighty people on the football men. Eighty-five scholarships. Yeah, yeah eighty, eighty. You know, so the, there's so many men. So they basically make it difficult because then um, they, they're trying to make it so it's equal. So there's equal amount of women. Uh, to men, so they're not going to cut football. That's a cash cow. So what they end up doing really is cutting a whole bunch of male sports and bringing in like rowing for women. And half the time, these women never even rowed a boat before. You know. Well, yeah. Well, exactly. That the part of the problem is women are just. I, I know what you guys said. Well, it's great. I actually think sports are completely overdone in America, particularly at the college level. I don't know the point of having a college sports team is. That's not really part of the education you're getting there, I mm. would argue. If you want to do it in high school or whatever, fine. But women are not as interested in these things as men are. I, I, right. I don't care how sexist it sounds. Sometimes <laughs> they have these scholarships go begging yeah. Yeah, because they didn't have that many women interested, where men tend to be more interested in it. No, just that's another true. inequity that... They had to recruit women to fill those spots that were made available through the Title IX exploitation. Hey, we're out of time, John. Is there anything else you'd like Got to it. add? Okay, have a nice weekend. Okay, thank you. No, yeah. that's it. Thanks, Okay, guys. take care. All right, bye. All right, well, that brings us to the end of another Scott Adams show. And I just want to remind everybody, my name's Scott Adams. My name's Leonor Cravetta. And uh, be sure to check out scottadamshow.com. And be sure, if you check out the YouTube page, uh, to like and subscribe to the YouTube page. And check out magapack.org, our new uh, super pack that we're putting together to target conservatives and get rhinos out of office. Uh, and you're listening to The Scott Adams Show. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye now. Kids right up to their name.